Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Duck Pod, registered guard columnist Austin Meek here in Eugene, uh, joined by Oregon beat writer Ryan Thorburn, who is in Hollywood right now at Pac-12 Media Days, rubbing elbows with the stars, um, walking the walk of fame. Ryan, you just got done with day one. What's the buzz in Hollywood? What are the big storylines that you heard today at Pac-12 Media Days? Well, we had uh, Larry Scott's annual State of the Pac-12, where he reads off a teleprompter better than President Obama and goes <laughs> over all the great accomplishments that are going on, uh, the 500 championships, uh, you know, the uh, women's rowing team at Washington, et cetera. Um, he did have some interesting uh, little nuggets, though, um, that might be of interest to fans. Um uh, the Pac-12 is headquartered in San Francisco as well as the, the network, and they're going to have kind of a, a centralized replay command center um, there, similar to you know maybe what the NHL does, where um, when there's a replay at, say, Austin Stadium, there's a replay official there, but they can also confer with you know this centralized area, and you know hopefully get more of the calls right. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, he also in terms of Pac-12 non-conference games that are on the Pac-12 network, they're going to experiment with trying to make those games uh, shorter. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to have fewer commercial breaks and then thus fewer television timeouts, and they're going to shorten the halftime of those games from 20 minutes to 15 minutes. Uh, from what he's you know researched, Pac-12 games last year were about three and a half hours long and NFL games are closer to three hours and uh, I'm on board with trying to get that down to three hours, uh, especially those night games. Um, and then the Pac-12 championship game is going to remain in uh, Levi's Stadium, home of the Niners in, in Santa Clara, California. It's going to remain there through at least 2019 uh, with an option for 2020. Um, obviously with NFL teams building stadiums in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Eventually, there'll be a scenario where maybe they can move to one of those venues and have some bidding on it. But for now, uh, I'm sure Ducks fans would love to go to the Niner Stadium again if if that were to happen. But that's where it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, well, uh, a quick thought on each of those. Don't like the title game in Santa Clara 
the time we were there, didn't think it was a great college football atmosphere. It's a beautiful stadium, uh, but it felt very unnatural to me, but I understand why they're keeping it there. Shorter games, I'm all for it. Uh, I think you would get unanimous support (laughs) amongst anybody who covers the Pac-12 for shorter games. Although, um, to me, if you want to identify the culprit for the long games, it's the first thing you brought up. It's it's, it's the replays more so than uh, than the 20-minute halftime. I, I just think there are way too many uh, way too many replays on on pointless plays that slow these games down. I actually I would have guessed the average Pac-12 game was about four hours rather than three and a half. I covered a few that felt like about five, <laughs> so I'm actually surprised it was that short. Yeah, I mean we've had some triple overtimes. So. <laughs> during our time covering Oregon. In terms of, you know, the teams that were um, meeting with, I guess you would call the traditional print media side of things, uh, although we're all digital now, uh, started off with Arizona. Obviously, Rich Rodriguez may be on the hot seat, um, as Mark Helfrich ended up being last year. Arizona had a a terrible season last year. Um, Believe it or not, he said they have almost 50 new players when you count walk-ons in their program this year. So, they really are starting from scratch. Um, don't have a defined quarterback yet. They have two or three guys that they really like, but uh, good running game, and, and like Oregon, can only get a little bit better on defense. So if they visit Austin Stadium, I'd have to say that's probably one of the W's you could probably circle for Oregon, but you never know. Um, Cal went today, um, notable for Oregon. Justin Wilcox, the former Duck, is a first-year head coach. This is his first foray into this type of circus. Uh, he mentioned that being a head coach, you know, the biggest difference between that and that defensive coordinator is, you know, just how many meetings and phone calls and questions you get every day, stuff you would never think about, you know, and obviously he has a lot to do in terms of football that he wants to focus on. So I think he's hired a really good staff. Uh, Bo Baldwin is the offensive coordinator. Uh, Oregon fans know his work from Eastern Washington. And then uh, Steve Greatwood is the offensive line coach, so um, those guys also visit Autzen, and that's another one of the wins you could probably circle because Cal's picked sixth. Um, so if you want to talk about either of those, then I can uh, try and think who else I talked to today. <laughs> well, I'm interested in Justin Wilcox and just how he appeared in, in front of the cameras. I actually have not seen the guy you know, uh, uh, up front in, in that role. Uh, you know, what, What's his... What's his demeanor like? Did he seem comfortable? You know, he's been a longtime defensive coordinator and assistant coach. Uh, but but how did how did he handle the the spotlight in his first media days as a head coach? I would describe him as kind of a defensive-minded uh, Chris Peterson. You know, very reserved. I wouldn't say he's uncomfortable. Obviously, the media is not Chris Peterson's favorite thing. It's not doesn't seem to be Justin Wilcox's favorite thing, but they're smart guys. They understand this is all about promoting their program, promoting the league, drumming up even more interest than there already is in college football. Uh, he, he seems really smart to me. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard from fans over the years that you either wanted him to be considered for Oregon's defensive coordinator position or didn't because he had, you know, a few defenses that weren't great. But uh, to me, he seems like he's a really smart football coach. Yeah, well, he's definitely had some some hot and cold spells uh, in his career, but 
has has worked his way up, and I think that was a good hire for Cal. But I think it's going to be a, a tough road uh, initially. That program uh, is is not in great shape financially. The athletic department there has some issues, so I, I could see that being a uh, a long process, but a hire that works out for them in the end. Um, now you mentioned Rich Rodriguez on the hot seat. Uh, Jim Mora from UCLA was there today. Also, a guy coming off of four and eight last year, who's who's under a little heat. Um, anything from uh, from Jim Mora you heard today, or you also had uh, looks like Colorado, Washington, and Oregon State on the podium today. So, uh, anything that stuck out from them? Well, obviously. UCLA is a huge story because Josh Rosen is considered a potential number one NFL draft pick at quarterback. He's back. He was injured last year. Everything fell apart. They were four and eight, just like Oregon. Uh, more patient in terms of, you know, more probably had a little more cachet built up. Um, he's going to, I probably be on the hot seat, but you know, uh, like I said, they have Josh Rosen. They have a lot of talent. I look for them to have a, a bounce back season. I don't think they're going to, you know, outdo what USC has coming, but uh, they seem very confident to me. Um, I still think Mora likes to tweak Rosen. You know, he came in as a a five-star guy, and he said, I know you're all going to ask all the questions about the quarterback, but, you know, our main issue is to get depth on the offensive line. If we do that, we're going to be good. So, uh, you know, I like that he's (laughs) still kind of challenging Josh Rosen, who he didn't even bring here to to interview with the media. Hmm, Yeah. USC seems to be the uh, the clear front runner this year. You'll hear from USC tomorrow. Uh, any sense from Washington that hey, we won this thing last year. We went to the playoffs. Um, USC has been overrated quite often by those of us who do these preseason polls. It's hardly the first time that we have proclaimed that USC is officially back. Um, any sense around there that hey maybe uh maybe this is not just USC and everybody else this year or or are the guys from Washington so uh circumspect on those things that you would never pick up something like that from Chris Peterson I didn't hear their players uh Jake Browning is here their terrific quarterback I didn't hear them mention USC once what I heard was that they feel like even though they've lost a couple guys to the NFL um, but that's happened before, and they've come back even stronger, uh, especially on defense, and that they're going to be better than they were last year, and that uh, you know that they actually have a bad taste in their mouth after getting pummeled by Alabama. So um, I think they believe they're a better team than they were last year, and they were very good last year. Um, and maybe you know they'll talk about USC at the end. Uh, as you know, USC was the only team to beat them in Pac-12 play last year, so. Um, maybe that's why they don't like talking about them. But I think they're confident that they will emerge from the North and that the North is probably the better side and, and that, you know, that they, once they do that, that, you know, they can take care of business again. Yeah. I also heard from Gary Anderson today, uh, Thomas Tyner, former Oregon running back, now part of the program at Oregon State. Beavers have made some some incremental steps the first couple years with Gary Anderson, but still looking for a winning season, still looking for a bowl game. What's the vibe from them early on? Uh, does Oregon State feel like this is the year that they kind of jump that hurdle and uh, and get to a bowl game and take that next step? What did you hear from the Beavers today? 
Well, I can tell you this. If you want to make uh, Ryan Nall or any of these guys smile, all you have to do is ask them about the Civil War game. Hmm. Uh, Ryan Nall obviously had a tremendous game and ran all over the Ducks. Uh, he's a Portland guy, and he said it's pretty sweet to uh, be the first Oregon State team to, to beat Oregon since he was in middle school. Um, and the reason I asked that is because that really gave them a lot of momentum going into the offseason, where Oregon's making all of these changes and and totally, you know, changing the coaching staff, bringing in a new defense. Uh, Oregon State thinks that they finally finished the game. They lost some games last year that they could have won, and they finally finished off a game against Oregon. So I think they, they feel like if they play like they did against Oregon more consistently, um, they're going to be in a bowl game, and there was even some talk of being inspired by Colorado, which was picked to do nothing last year and ended up representing the South in the, in the title game. Yeah. I thought the hardest decision I had to make on my preseason uh, preseason ballot was where to put Oregon and Oregon State, because I had them both at 4-5, and five, and at first I had Oregon State 4th, Oregon 5th, and I, I switched them at the last minute, and that's where it ended up. Oregon picked fourth. Oregon State picked fifth. But I I think those two, you know, when I look at those two teams, I think they're different teams, um, but they're similar in terms of just, you know, where, where you see them fitting into the Pac-12. Um, a lot of question marks with Oregon. I, I feel like the... You know the top end talent with Oregon is probably still a little bit higher. Obviously, Oregon has the established quarterback, which is a big deal. But but I do think the continuity that you brought up with Oregon State could be you know, a factor that that could give the Beavers an edge because they are going into the third year now with Gary Anderson and everything's completely new at Oregon. Uh, how did you slot those two teams? Um, how did you? Uh, how did your uh, North Division go on your preseason ballot, and did it come out about like you thought it would? Well, I guess you could say I'm either smart or I'm one of I'm in amongst the flock of sheep because I had the North as it turned out. I had uh, obviously Washington one, Stanford two, Washington State three, Oregon four, Oregon State five, Cal six, and I don't necessarily think that's a slight because. Basically, like you're saying, I think Stanford, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, they could all be in any one of those two through five positions. I think they're all very close, and they'll decide it on the field. But uh, I do like kind of the momentum Oregon State has. Now, they have a tough opener at Colorado State, which is opening a a brand-new stadium. But just being around Ryan Nall and him talking about Thomas Tyner and, you know, the possibilities of quarterback and – and the defense being more physical and being more in the mold of a Gary Anderson defense. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to contend in the North, but I do think they have a really good chance of going to a bowl game, which I know isn't special, but it, it's the next step. Day two of Pac-12 Media Days, Willie Taggart will get his first turn at the podium. Justin Herbert and Troy Dye representing Oregon. What are you looking to hear from, from the Ducks on day two? Anything in particular you're interested to, to ask any of those guys uh, and anything else that sticks out to you from, from the group of teams that are going on the second day? 
Well, obviously, Troy Dye was terrific last year, and the defense was not. He was the DeForest Buckner of 2016, um, a star on a, on a bad defense. Uh, I just want to know, you know, how much, how much can the energy and just a new attitude really improve the defense? Because let's face it, they don't have a ton of new players other than, you know, some freshmen that are going to be on this unit. So, you know, I think I was talking to a Colorado defensive player, Derek McCartney, is like they're going to play with a lot of energy, just like Jim Levitt brings. Um, but it is a process, and it was a process at Colorado. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see, like, what is Troy Dye's expectation? Is it to keep people under 40 and win shootouts, or, or do they really believe they can go from, you know, 126, like, into the 80s or 70s? I know what the answer is going to be, that it's totally different this year, but um, obviously that's the key to the season. And then Justin Herbert, uh, I want to see, you know, does he come out of his shell and show off some personality here, or um, is he just going to be kind of a, a machine, like a likable machine like Marcus Mariota? It'll be interesting to see how he handles, you know, the spotlight. Because, you know, when the quarterbacks that are here, like Browning, I mean, they get all the attention and they're really surrounded by, uh, the media and some of the offensive linemen and defensive tackles only have a couple people asking them questions. So uh, I think it'll be good for Herbert because he's the new face of Oregon football. Yeah, Willie Taggart has challenged Justin Herbert to be more of a leader, to be more vocal. I'm guessing if Mark Helfrich is still the coach, Justin Herbert probably is not at media days. <laughs> Justin Herbert probably no. says, I don't want to go. Mark Helfrich probably says, hey, no worries. We'll take Royce Freeman or somebody else. But yeah, it'd be Royce Freeman part three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, despite his his snub from the Doak Walker list, um, but with Willie, you know, he's he's really challenged Justin Herbert to uh, to take a more public role with the team. I think this is probably part of it. You, you know, if he's your leader, if he's your best player, then yeah, he should be at media days uh, answering the questions, and uh, I'm sure he'll do fine. But it's going to be a little bit different for him. So we'll look forward to reading your uh, your reports from uh, from all the media day festivities. Uh, have fun down there, and we'll see you when you get back to uh, begin the grind of fall camp. Sounds good. I did run into Willie at, at lunch and talk to him for a minute. And what I love about media day or hate about media day is summer really is over for us and uh, <laughs> Willie said the honeymoon is about over and he is right it's time to uh, play some football of course we have to get through fall camp first but uh, the end is almost near it's going to be about nine months since we covered a football game once they <laughs> tee things up so uh, uh, yeah everyone can read our coverage in the registerguard.com or in the actual newspaper and uh, we'll have plenty of stuff from Los Angeles it is all upon us. All right. Thanks, Ryan. We'll see you when you get back. All right. Thanks, Austin.